It's Monday, March 9th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the markets took a nosedive, so much so that Wall Street found the brakes and stepped on them. We'll explain what the hell happened today. Then we'll tell you why the U.S. government is actively trying to prevent people from booking their dream cruise vacation. And finally, what does a day without women look like? Today, Mexico City found out. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Panera's Unlimited Coffee Subscription. Your cup is always full. Stock markets aren't open over the weekend. So if someone wants to buy or sell stocks, they have to wait until 9.30 a.m. on Monday to get in on the action. They even ring a bell on Wall Street to kick off the fun. Or in today's case, the panic. Three minutes into the session, down and down hard. The biggest. The financial fallout is immense. It's really pretty incredible, John, the selling pressure that we are seeing today. What a morning. You will remember this one. It was a painful, bludgeoning start to the week. Shares were dropping like flies. Ladies and gentlemen, Wall Street just had its worst day since the 2008 financial crisis. Stocks dropped 7% right away. And that forced the New York Stock Exchange to hit pause on the entire stock exchange for 15 minutes. This move was called a financial circuit breaker. Like the thing that shuts off if you run a hairdryer and a toaster all at the same time. In this case, the people who ran the stock market thought they could stop the financial panic if they just stopped people from buying or selling anything. That 15-minute break appears to have helped a little bit. But the fact that this circuit breaker was flipped at all was a huge deal. It hasn't been triggered since it was revamped seven years ago. And it kind of sent the message that this ain't normal. So what the heck caused this no good, very bad day for the economy that some people are already calling Black Monday? A lot of blame is going to COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus. Soon after the outbreak started, China announced massive quarantines and shut down a ton of factories. That meant lots of products couldn't get made, which messed up supply chains all over the world. That's still happening. Over the weekend, Italy also placed the giant cities of Milan and Venice under quarantine. Milan and Venice are both huge parts of Italy's economy, so this disruption could hurt the Italian and European economies too. Throw in a major drop in global air travel, tourism, and possibly even consumer spending, and the picture here starts to look pretty bad. But all that kind of pales in comparison to some other major news over the weekend, involving oil. For a long time, the global oil market has been regulated by a group called OPEC, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries. It's got 14 members, including big players like Nigeria, Iran, Venezuela, and Saudi Arabia. These countries all make a lot of money selling oil. So they work together to keep oil prices high by doing things like balancing supply and demand. If they produce too much oil, as in more supply, the demand for oil goes down. But if they all work together to limit supply, then demand goes up. It's kind of like the diamond industry. Diamond miners could decide to mine for a whole lot more diamonds than they do now. But if they did, you and I probably wouldn't go broke trying to afford them. And why would diamond companies want that? For a few years, OPEC has worked with a non-OPEC member, Russia, to balance the supply and demand of oil. But COVID-19 has created some new problems for this relationship. The outbreak is leading to a drop in demand for oil, not just in China, but around the world. If people don't fly, airlines don't need oil. 
The same goes for people if they're no longer driving to work. You get the picture. And OPEC hoped Russia would get the picture too and agreed to produce less oil. But over the weekend, Russia said, yeah, we'd rather sell oil at any price than at the highest price, so we're going off on our own here. Saudi Arabia was furious, and it responded by announcing a production increase. This is called a price war, and the more Russia and Saudi Arabia now compete to produce the most oil, oil prices are gonna keep falling. Want some evidence? This morning, global oil prices briefly dropped 30%, the biggest decline since the Gulf War in the early 90s. If you're thinking, isn't this good? Doesn't cheaper oil mean cheap gas at the pump? The answer is probably yes. And today, President Trump tweeted that cheaper gas prices would be, quote, good for the consumer. So if your gas station bill is a bit more reasonable in the coming days, this could be why. But then why did markets completely nosedive today? First, a lot of big American energy companies make their money selling oil. And now their liquid gold is more like lukewarm coffee. Second, American natural gas producers could also be hurt. These companies that drill and frack for natural gas got rich when oil prices were high. But with oil prices tanking now, some of these natural gas companies could face bankruptcy, hurting long-term profits and possibly hurting American jobs. Another big reason for the market panicking like this has to do with that OPEC fight we talked about. Groups like OPEC were kind of supposed to be the parents that kept the markets calm. When they worked together, they provided stability. But now, fears over COVID-19 have them fighting each other for scraps and signaling to the world that the adults have left the room. So what's the scam? We already knew global markets were spooked by COVID-19. We've been watching disruptions to supply chains, shopping habits, and tourism for weeks, both in China and around the world. But now, the guardrails are really coming off. As more countries impose severe quarantines and as entire sectors of the global economy, like the oil industry, are creating headaches all on their own. For more on how the COVID-19 outbreak could affect your wallet, head on over to theskim.com money. Keeping up with today's news cycle requires a lot of caffeine. So here at HQ, we rely on coffee for fuel. And lots of it. That's why Panera's unlimited coffee subscription has been a life and wallet saver. It's just $8.99 a month for unlimited hot and iced coffee. And hot tea, too. Think light roast, dark roast, hazelnut. All to help you get going. All day long. Fuel your day with Panera's unlimited coffee subscription. Learn more and sign up at PaneraBread.com. If you are making plans for an upcoming cruise ship vacation, it might be time to make that a staycation. No matter how fun that water slide looks or how tempting that buffet is, top health officials are saying, Don't get on a cruise ship. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday. He's one of the growing number of U.S. health officials warning, now's not a great time to set sail. In fact, the U.S. State Department has issued a travel advisory saying, please don't travel by cruise ship, especially if you have underlying health conditions. So why is the U.S. government singling out cruise ships here? This has been a concern since early February, when COVID-19 was still largely confined to China. As it spread, one of the hotspots became a cruise ship off the coast of Japan. That kicked off a long quarantine process because Japan didn't want to let passengers loose who might have the disease. 
Reportedly, eight people from the ship died and 700 were infected. Then a few days ago, another cruise ship outbreak popped up. This one closer to home. Steve, good morning to you. What's the latest there? We've just had our first round of testing on board that ship, but health officials are saying eventually everyone will be tested and treated as necessary. The virus could spread on this ship like it has elsewhere. 21 on board have tested positive for the virus, but all passengers now face quarantine. Passengers on the Grand Princess have been stuck at sea for five days. So far, 21 people on board have tested positive for the virus. Most of them are crew members. The question for the past week has been what to do with them. Helicopters swooped in to deliver tests. Then yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom said he had a plan to get the passengers off the ship. Now the real logistics drama begins. The ship is docking in Oakland today and will begin unloading the sickest passengers first. American passengers will fly to a handful of U.S. military bases. And people who don't live in the U.S. will get charter flights home. But Newsom assured the public passengers won't be in contact with travelers who weren't on the ship. He spelled out how all of this would work during a press conference last night. This entire operation, we hope, but this is dynamic, so do not hold us to account, is a two, three-day process. That's what we believe uh, this turnaround will take. As the U.S. tries to disembark all these passengers, U.S. health officials are trying to prevent more cruise ship outbreaks. They're actually blocking some other Princess cruise ships from leaving or entering docks. Meanwhile, the cruise industry is taking a hit. Reportedly, less people are booking trips, and industry stocks have fallen in recent weeks. Some lines are responding by stepping up their screening and sanitation protocols. Others are turning customers away if they've recently been to certain parts of Europe or Asia. But the U.S. is telling people who've already booked, you should not go. In part because getting people home, should they suddenly be stranded off some coast and under quarantine, as we're seeing today, is really complicated. Women around the world took to the streets yesterday, saying loudly and proudly, this is my fight song. March 8th is known as International Women's Day. You probably saw lots of badass women and their inspirational quotes highlighted on your Insta feed. But a big point of the day is really to put a spotlight on women's rights and gender equality. So a ton of women also turned out to protest. From Chile, one of the largest demonstrations of the day, where women protested violence against women, to Paris, where they protested the quote, virus of the patriarchy. No matter where you looked, there was something to protest. Here's one protester in the UK. This country's in a much better state than other countries around the world, but we're still not completely fine with like, treating people fairly, despite who they are. In Pakistan, women again rallied around the slogan, my body, my choice. They're basically just trying to say, women should be protected from sexual assault and should be able to make the reproductive and medical decisions that they think are best. This chant isn't new. It actually angered a lot of people in Pakistan last year. You see, Pakistan is a pretty conservative country, so that message of autonomy doesn't exactly fly. In a sign of what these Women's Day marchers are up against when it comes to changing minds, they were met by crowds of counter-protesters this year, including people who threw stones, shoes, and mud at them in the capital of Islamabad. The backlash didn't keep the celebrations and protests from happening, though. 
these protesters are calling on women to wake up. Meanwhile, in Mexico City, protesters spoke out against the increasing numbers of domestic violence victims. Last year, the government estimated that about 3,800 Mexican women were killed. That's more than 10 deaths every day. Many of them involve sexual assault. Those protests continued today, but they sounded more like this. That's right, silence. Today is being called a, quote, day without us, because women across the country just disappeared. Maria Fernanda Perez Arguello is the associate director of the Atlantic Council's Latin America Center. It's about visibility or invisibility. They're not going to go to work. They're not going to take any public transportation. They're not going to make any purchases. And they're also going to be invisible in the digital space. So they won't post, they won't text. They want to make this visible. They're showing what the country would look like without women. Like, if we don't do anything to stop these murders, this is how our country is going to be. Surprise, it turns out we need women around. Mexico has about 21 million registered female workers, and one employer's association estimated that the women's one-day strike could end up costing the economy about 6 billion pesos, or nearly 300 million U.S. dollars. And that's just in the capital of Mexico City, and for just one day without women. Which just goes to show how crucial women are. Who run the world? On International Women's Day and every day, women are making their case. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 